Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, we're back stateside this week in San Francisco, where I speak to Nuri Otis, the CEO and founder of Tech Smarter. Now, Nuri has had a couple of successful exits as well as failures, and has a really interesting story to share along his journey, which I'm delighted that he's agreed to come on the podcast today to share. So I'm not going to go into the story now, I'm just going to hand it over to Nuri to talk about his journey, what some of the challenges he's faced, what he's learned and what he's doing at the moment. So welcome to the show, Mary. Hi, Ken. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening from. Tell us a bit about yourself, your background, uh, where you started, and let's go from there. I always start with, I'm a father first. That's the most important thing that I do. I've raised my son alone pretty much since he was eight years old. He'll be 27 next month, and hopefully next year will be going to graduate school if uh, everything works out and the world goes back to some type of quasi-normalcy. I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life. My mother would tell you that I've been selling since I was in, in the cradle. It's what I do. It's where I'm comfortable. I love people. I tend to talk too much, but I tend to listen better than I speak. But along the ways, I've met a lot of really interesting people, had a lot of people give me help when I needed it. I've tried to to give back in the same way. Now we're building TechSmarter. TechSmarter is the largest opportunity that we've ever chased. We have built a compliance service that addresses international regulatory changes in the finance industry. And this involves organizations such as the FCA in the UK, the FDIC, SEC, FINRA, pick your two, three, four, five letter acronym oversight agency, and it probably applies. Most people are aware that organizations like a broker dealer or a stockbroker or a bank insurance company, when you speak to them, they record the phone calls. They're also aware that when you exchange emails with them, the emails are placed into an archive for future reference. The new regulations that have come into place in the last few years are that the requirements of archiving now include text messaging, now include Facebook, now include Twitter. And by the time you're all said and done, it's nearly 80 different social media platforms that must be archived. And not everybody is on all of them, obviously. But if you're a person that's on Instagram, they have to back up your Instagram, including the picture. If you're on YouTube, it has to back up the video. It has to back up the messages that are at the bottom of YouTube. There's a lot of technology behind it. And this is a mature space. But what we've done is we've addressed this in a very different way. So if we've taken an old problem that has been around for a while, and we have taken a new spin on it, 
and TechSmarter is the only company that can archive iMessages, which is on the, any iOS device. It okay. can archive SMS and MMS on Android on a real-time basis. We can also archive WeChat, WhatsApp, Twitter, etc. And that by the time we're, we've completed our platform, it'll be nearly 80 different sites that we'll be able to archive. We can also take voice. It can be transcribed into text and also archived. So there's a lot of different things because as we're on Zoom, so the system that we have our backend would be able to take this call and would be able to transcribe it and place it into the repository for example, if one of us had reporting responsibilities. Okay. And then somebody in the back end would be able to go through and they could do a search for keywords for certain types of behavior. So there's a lot of stuff that can be done with this. It's a very intelligent area. It's one that employs overused phrases like artificial intelligence and machine learning, but it does use some of those disciplines. Interesting. But I mean... Like Zoom, I can back up Zoom myself directly to the sky or to, to the cloud. All the, they all have their own independent backups and things. What's the benefit then? Is this that you can do all of them in one base and you maintain it in one place? Is it or what's the core? Uh, so if you, if you do a Zoom call and then it's recorded, that's not a compliant ah, recording. Okay. It has to be separate and managed by a disinterested third party, an arm's length situation. Ah, now I understand. Okay. So the same thing. If you go into your iTunes account, you can see your text messages, but you can't. Same thing with WhatsApp. Same things with Messenger. Same thing with Symphony. Same thing with all these different organizations. But the problem is, is that if the data is kept locally, right? So say that you have this on your, you could edit it. You could cause dropout. There's lots of things that could be done. Anybody could do if there was certain information that people didn't want to want other people to hear. If you think back in the 70s of Watergate, there were large gaps of tape where there was nothing. It's exactly the same thing when it's managed by a third party and all of the data that we take is double encrypted and it's placed into a repository that our customers can't access. And when they need that data, they come to us and we work with them to give them access to that data. If there's some type of a, say there's a document demand or there's a subpoena or whatever the circumstances might be, simply an audit, they're able to provide that to us. And we provide surety that the data has not in any way been manipulated or adjusted. Very interesting. So how did this all come about? I mean, how did you come up with this idea? (laughs) So in the latter part of 2012, I started a journey that God willing will end in the beginning of 2021. I was doing business with some people and my interaction with them and actions of my own caused some federal agents to come to my home in in December of 2012. And as I went through this period of three and a half years, interacting with the federal government, interacting with the Justice Department, with more lawyers than I care to remember, something became very, very clear to me. 
if I had had access to text messages that had been sent to me prior to my changing a telephone, I went from a Android device to an iOS device, Mm -hmm. I would have had the necessary information to be able to exonerate myself and not be implicated because I received text messages from somebody else. So regardless, in the end, I, after significant expense and significant personal soul searching, I cut a deal. I spent 16 months and 10 days in a federal prison camp. At the end of it, I got pneumonia, spent nearly three weeks in the hospital. It almost killed me, literally. I'm still affected. My respiratory function is approximately 65%. So I'm still affected by that. And with the fires in California today and this last few years, I really can't go outside right now except to walk my dog. But as you and I were talking before this, you know what? It's behind me. It's, it taught me lessons I could never have hoped to have learned. It was, I now look at it as I had a vacation. In that period of time, I read 435 books and I love to read, always have. But I met people. I met wonderful people. I met people who were crummy people, just like in real life. I met people who it shocked me that they were there. The processes in which they were put there shocked me. But in the end, I look at this as it was the most transformational experience of my life. And if I saw the judge today who sentenced me to prison, I would say thank you because you changed my life. It taught me at this point, Ken, and I say this to people every day, I'm unwilling to do or say anything that is not in line with, with the ethics and morals that I was taught and these lessons that I was taught in the last four years, last almost, pardon me, last almost eight years. No one can question my integrity. If they do, I'm done. I just, I won't tolerate it. If somebody doesn't bring good to my life, I'm done. And it's simplified my life. So, you know, people don't understand why I'm not angry, why, you know, why all these things. Look, if you were to drop a pebble in a puddle from the rain, there's a reaction. Mm. You know what? You do business, sometimes things happen. Things happen to me. Am I innocent? No, none of us are. We all make mistakes. I made poor choices. So, as I conduct business now and the people that we work, that I work with, nothing phases me. The choices are simple because they're right or wrong. And to some people, that's naive. But to me, it's not because if you do right, the right things come to you. And by with the service that we've built and with the changes and how we've approached this problem, we're getting attention from the right types of customers. And even though we're a very young company, we're talking to some of the biggest companies in the world. And it's very flattering. Amazing. So it's... You know, Ken, in the end, I look at the world today and with COVID, I have friends who complain about it. I'm stuck at home. I can't go to the gym. I can't do these things. And my perspective is I did 16 months in a federal prison camp. And don't get me wrong. There was a basketball court, a full-size basketball court, a soccer pitch, a softball field, more weights than you could ever live, a full library, more televisions in one place than I've ever seen in my life. But Compared to that, this is easy. And it was a Boy Scout camp. It was a five-acre area where I could walk around and 
have nobody. There were no guards. There was no anybody. There was a person who made sure you were where you were supposed to be. But other than that, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad thing. I spent my days reading under trees. Okay. It's amazing, but it's amazing how you can have different perspectives on things, but it's all about experiences, not the experiences you had to determine how you act in the future. Well, you hope that you learn. When something happens, you hope that you learn. You hope that you take whatever the lesson is and you apply it. I have a very close friend who, it's not his theory, but he's the first person that ever said it to me. And he said, it's called feather brick truck. And in life, if, if you're making mistakes and you don't listen, the feather tickles your ear and it, it looks at it and you, you say, okay, well that tickles and you, you itch it quickly and you, or scratch it quickly and you Mm -hmm. move on. Well, if you continue to make those mistakes, then you get hit by a brick and it's going to hurt. It's not going to kill you most likely. But if you continue to make those mistakes, then at some point you got hit by a truck and that may hurt you, could kill you. And I look at it as I didn't listen to the feather and the brick. So I got hit by a truck, but I survived and I move on. And now I I am just a different person. I wasn't a bad person before, but I listened to the messages of the world. I listened to the universe. Incredible. You know, tell me, so how did you go about I mean, starting a business? Had you already, when you were in prison, did you think, listen, I'm going to start this business, I'm going to address this problem? Or was it kind of something that came along afterwards? No, actually, I started looking into messaging before this started. And I looked at my son, who was sending thousands and thousands of messages. And I realized that messaging at some point was going to become the primary method of communication. Ken, there are 6 trillion messages sent per day. Wow. And that's, you know, I'd have to say that I know a lot of people that send a lot of them. However, when you look at that kind of volume, when you look at the, with, with iMessage and Slack and Facebook Messenger and every other platform that's out there, it's just a little bit of an indication So I looked at it and I was fascinated by it. And originally we had a different idea. We were heading in a different direction. And after what happened with government in in the end of 2012, by the time we got around to incorporating the company and by the time we got around to starting to build our service in 2014 and 15, we had gone in a completely different direction. I got interested in compliance because I spoke to a childhood friend who during high school moved to the East Coast. And as I started looking into compliance, it turned out that he worked at FINRA. So I called him. He has a very unique name. And if he, if it wasn't the same one, I was going to be shocked. Anyhow, it turned out to be the same guy. And he said, you know, messaging is a huge interest of FINRA because it, We've already written papers about it, et cetera. It wasn't a secret. And it got me interested. And the more I looked into it, the more interesting it got. We interviewed hundreds of high compliance reporting organizations all over the world. And before we wrote line of code number one, we had a pretty good idea of what the market needed and why what was out there. 
was not satisfactory for the users that were out there. So we took a different, as I said many times during this call, we took a different approach to a, to a problem that a lot of people had. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got there. And over time, we have spent, well, so now fast forward, I went into camp in May of 2016. I came out in September of 2017. And we then, when I got out of camp, I was very ill. And for almost a year, it was almost the middle of 2018 before I started putting the company back together. And we started from scratch. We had not a single line of code. We had, other than me, there was nobody involved in the company. And now we're a dozen people, almost a dozen people. Amazing. How about some of the, could you talk us through maybe some of the major challenges that you had to overcome in building it today? Sure. So if you're involved in financial services, the sales cycle is exceedingly long. It's also when you want to sell to, and we'll just call it big bank companies. So I don't in any way indicate that somebody is a customer of ours or is not. If you're selling to big bank, the process is long and the rules that they have, the internal processes that they have with regards to doing business with a young company are significant. Mm -hmm. So those things are a challenge. But when you and I met a few weeks ago, I told you the story. We were meeting with a guy from one of the biggest banks in the world. They're on multi, in multiple countries and multiple continents. And when we showed him what we had, he was like a little kid. He was jumping up and down in his chair. He had spent three years at this big bank. He's now, he's now a venture capitalist, but he has spent three years looking for this while he was at this bank. Wow. And he was excited and he has made probably 20 or 30 wonderful introductions for us. And those are the days that you say, you know what, this is a good day. And other days that are, that are different, we have an opportunity next month, sorry, this month, we're speaking at the District of Columbia, the Washington, D.C. FinTech Conference. Next month, we're speaking at Finnovate. And we've been chosen to present our technology to thousands of people in the industry because it's revolutionary. It's transformational. You know, pick your adjective. It's a big change. And when people see it, it gets people's attention because we're addressing a $300 billion problem. Financial industry sanctions last year were in excess of $300 billion. And what we do, not all of that, not even not close to all of that was had to do with what we do. But regardless, if it was 5%, if it was 10%, you're still talking about a 15 to $30 billion problem. And we assure that there are no data leaks. We assure that all the data is there. And we assure that, that what is necessary in order for organ, large financial industry organizations to be compliant is there. But you know, I'm quite impressed with actually is, is how you are getting these big meetings and getting in touch with all these different people for such a small company. For our audience, is there any advice that you can give in terms of, you know, what you've learned and how you're, you're getting, you know, getting ahead with these, getting to meet these people? You've got to put forth a compelling reason for them to speak to you. Okay. You've got to address a big problem. And then you, if you do those things, you have how you present it. You need to tell them from the very beginning, 
here is the problem. Here's how we fix it. And for people right now in financial services, this is a high profile issue. Right. Okay. Uh, I said, we're talking at DC FinTech week later this month. I sent a cold message to a high level person at the FDIC. And within 24 hours, she accepted a call. And we're not meeting until later this month, but it's how you say it. It's how you present it. And it can't be 15 or 20 paragraphs of script. It has to be something you can read in two or three minutes. Myself included, most of us have a relatively short attention span. So, you know, when I was in college, I worked at, I worked at a company called Pacific Stereo, selling electronics. And my old boss, Daryl, used to say, you know, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And that's a real simple way as a person in sales, get it out there quickly. Yeah. So we, yeah, you really have to get serious for it from the verses. One or two sentences, basically. Exactly. That's the point, but it has to add value to them. Exactly. And is it mostly kind of, is it like LinkedIn? Is that kind of the main tool you use or is there other things you use also? You know, We've had introductions that have been warm. We've had introductions that have been at different conferences that we've attended. Again, if you approach a person with the right message, it's going to be effective most of the time, provided they open their messages on LinkedIn or provided they open their messages on other platforms. The beauty of LinkedIn is that usually there's going to be somebody that you share a contact with who you're going to know well enough to make a warm introduction. And that helps. You know, you and I met at a happy hour, a virtual happy hour, right? And you're on another continent and now look. And if it's some way, so one of my contacts can help you, you shouldn't hesitate to ask. And if one of your contacts can help me, I won't hesitate to ask. And that's how, that's the beauty of LinkedIn. Yeah, I agree completely. Awesome. How about him? Because you have a lot of experience from, I mean, I know you've had some success and failure at the same time. Is there some other kind of key lessons learned that you could share with us? Never stop learning. Never stop reading. Never stop absorbing information. The world will teach you if you read, if you take the time to stay in the front of the area that you're in. But find something that you're interested in. Find something you're passionate about. Find something that makes you get out of bed every morning. And I know these sound like the old, old adages, but it's the truth. If you're excited about what you do, you don't spend that extra 20 minutes in bed looking at Facebook. You get out of bed and you get to work. And that's in all candor, Ken, I've learned more from my failures than I have from my successes. (laughs) So true. Unfortunately, a lot of the time you have to learn the hard way, don't you? Oh, my father gave me a book a long time ago. And unfortunately, one time when I moved, it seems to have disappeared, but it was called The School of Hard Knocks. And look, I don't mind, you know, one of my favorite movies is Rocky. And in one of them, he says, the world's going to knock you down. And it's not the fact that you can take a punch that people care about. It's the fact that you get back up when you get knocked down. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, because the world will knock you down. But if you get up and you dust yourself off, and you keep pushing forward, and you make a a step progress every day, make a half a step progress every day, sometimes you take a step or two back. That's okay, because strength in numbers, law of averages, 
Sinaloa is going to tell you that you will make progress. Yeah, perfect. You just have to keep going. Just keep going. As muddy as it gets, as dirty as it gets, as wet as the weather might be, just keep going. Yeah, thanks, Larry. No, I agree completely with you. Tell me what you mean. So you're at this stage. You know, what, what's the future hold? I mean, what's the plan? Well, I was talking yesterday to a venture capitalist in Connecticut, and she asked me how, how COVID has affected our business. And Ken, the future is a real, real hard question right now because we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what the effects are going to be. When you look at transformational events as a world, you look at 9-11, you look at the, the financial crisis of the late 2000, you know, 2008 plus, the effects of those things are now known because time passed. We're six months, a little bit more than six months into this, and we don't know how it's going to affect us. So the way that I'm looking at this is I'm just saying, all right, we're going to keep moving. We've accelerated our development. We thought we would be installing customers by now. We had a in-principle deal with one of the largest money managers in the world. It didn't work out. Next. So we've continued to develop our, our platform. We've continued to develop our service, have cut some really nice partnerships that will help us significantly. And that's where we go. I don't know where the future is going to go, but we have a roadmap. And with the way the world is right now, I think it's critical that we all be as amenable to change as possible because it's going to change every day. You know, you and I talked as we began this call about the fires in, Cali- in Northern California right now. And I haven't opened my window to look outside today, but three or four weeks ago, it looked like Armageddon. We didn't see the sun for four or five days and it wasn't clouds. It was smoke and the air quality was as poor as possible in the 200s if memory serves me. But hopefully at some point these things will end. They'll get control of them and we'll move forward once again. But just being amenable to change and having the courage to make those changes when you see the landscape changing. I'm not a sailor. By any stretch of the imagination, unfortunately, I get, I get seasick, but you have to change your sales, change your tack. Yeah. And metaphorically, that's what we have to do, especially now. Cause look, it's October 1st today. What's the world going to look like November 1st, January 1st? Neither one of us know. So true. So true. Listen, Uri, uh, thank you so much. Amazing story. And congrats what you've achieved today. It's really incredible. And thank you for that fantastic advice. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? So it's, it's my name. It's nuri.otus at techsmarter.com. T-X-T-S-M-A-R-T-E-R.com. You can also look us up there. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on probably too many social platforms. <laughs> but with what we do... I need to be able to show a demo of our service and the best guinea pig in the world there is, is, is when I use my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can curate the content then. And that, that's the best way. I'm, I, I love to talk to people. If, if anybody has a question, if, if anybody has a situation s- similar to what I looked at, a, a big legal issue, as I went through most of this, I didn't have anybody to talk to. And finally, about two weeks before I self-reported to camp, 
I was introduced to a person who had been through exactly what I had been was going through, and I got although it was uh, it was late, I got some of the the most comforting words that I had, which was "You're going to be okay," and all the things you see on TV about prison. Most of them are not true, but if so, if I can help anybody with regards to a situation like this, I would love to. You know, Ken, I'm going to tell you one other thing. We've uh, we have a co- as a company have a, a platform that we're calling the Solid Foundation Program, and it's our intention to have between five and ten percent of our workforce in time be people who are convicted felons, people who are socially or otherwise disenfranchised, so that we can help people build a a solid foundation and help people build a new career and learn from an organization that's willing to hire somebody without any experience in something and with the eye on giving them the tools so that once they finish with us in two or three or five years, that they can move on to another role and earn even more money. Amazing. Listen, thank you so much for sharing all that. And uh, I'll be looking forward to, to checking in with you again in a couple of months and see how it's all going. Thanks, Ken. Well, I thank appreciate it. Yeah.